Hey, BSN Denver listeners, we're really excited to tell you about some game-changing coffee. Strava Craft is the CBD-enriched coffee that has really changed lives. Their reviews are incredible. Make sure you check them out today. This CBD-infused coffee has taken away long-term migraines, back pain, arthritis, IBS, and has helped decrease anxiety. You name it. CBD is all natural. It's also not psychoactive, and the coffee is rich and tasty. We could not recommend it anymore to our listeners. Check it out for yourself today and receive 20% off when you use the promo code BSN2019 at checkout to get your StravaCraft coffee for 20% off and shipped straight to your door. Welcome in to the BSN Nuggets podcast presented by In We Go. Joined by a special guest, Mason Plumwell. I thought he was going to knock that ref out in L.A. <laughs> Coaches will get testy with officials, but to run out onto the court and yeah. cut him off, yeah. I've never seen that before. You should have taken a charge on him. That <laughs> a special guest, Darrell Arthur. When did you first realize Nicole Jokic was good? He was in Philadelphia for Jameer's kind of like team bonding thing, and I knew it right away that he was going to be good. He was making great passes and good reads and stuff like that, and I said, this kid's going to be good. He's turned out to be a star. He has a great upside to him, and I know he'll be a Hall of Famer once he's done playing. And now, here's your hosts, Harrison Wind and Christian Clark. The BSN Nuggets podcast is presented, of course, by Total Beverage. Right now, Total Beverage has an exclusive deal for BSN listeners. You guys can get $10 off a $50 purchase or more on their website and app by using the promo code BSN10. So again, if you use the promo code BSN10, BSN10, you guys can save $10 off a $50 order or more from Total Beverage and have it delivered right to your door because Total Beverage now delivers to anywhere in the North Metro area all the way from Wheat Ridge to Erie. So make sure to check out Total Beverage. Harrison Wynn and Christian Clark here, Monday edition of the program. We're back after a two-day break for the weekend. Breaking down this Nuggets loss to the Warriors, Denver Falls in Golden State on Friday night, 122-105. Nuggets falling on tough times here as they enter their last stretch run of the regular season, about a month remaining until the playoffs. Denver's got 17 games left, I believe, between the Tuesday night matchup against the Timberwolves and the playoffs. So they're entering the final stretch of the regular season here, uh, but they've lost four out of their last five. So where I wanted to start today was probably just at the beginning of the first quarter, the beginning of the game, because Golden State, I mean, they came out focused. They came out looking to win this game. They came out looking to make a statement with a similar energy, I thought, and granted they didn't put up 50 points in the first quarter again, but I thought they had a similar energy to the way they came out in that last matchup against the Nuggets back at Pepsi Center a month back. Yeah, I mean, I've got a spicy take for you here, right on par with Denver's increasingly becoming an expensive place to live, and Denver is also a a sunny city. The Golden State Warriors, when they're motivated, are a pretty good basketball team, Harrison. (laughs) I didn't know if you knew that, Um, but these last two games against the Denver Nuggets... The Warriors look like they've been completely focused. Uh, I mean, they scored 51 in the first quarter. That, they came back in Denver two months ago. Just a complete butt-kicking right right from Jump Street. And it was pretty much the, the case again in this game. Warriors got up 11-3. Michael Malone burned a timeout. A couple of minutes later, Michael Malone burned a timeout. I mean, he was forced to use two timeouts in the, in the first five and a half minutes right. of this game. 
I mean, it got to like 27 to eight before the bench guys brought Denver back into it. But this was another just butt kicking right out of the gates. Yeah. And they did it against Denver's starting lineup, which has been really solid here ever since uh, they've gotten their opening night lineup back together. Maybe aside from that loss in San Antonio where Denver had a really bad first quarter. But, you know, generally speaking, this starting lineup has been what we had expected it to be. And this might have been their worst quarter of action in two years. You know, going back to last year when they played in 65 minutes over the course of the entire season, this might have been their worst stretch in two years together. In the two seasons that this group of five players, Jamal Murray, Gary Harris, Will Barton, Paul Millsap, and Nicole Jokic has spent together. And I don't know about you, but it seemed like once the Warriors kind of imposed their will over the first couple of possessions of this game, Denver got a little spooked. They got a little shook, a little psyched out maybe. It's not something we really see from this Nuggets team that often. Yeah, I mean, they, they just didn't have that that counterpunch in, in this game for any reason. I mean, the first possession of the game, uh, Jokic gets the ball against Boogie in space. He pump fakes. It looks like he's going to get by Boogie and go to the rim. And Jokic kind of stops short and, and takes this weird floater shot, maybe looking for the foul, d- misses the shot. I mean, Jokic just didn't look like his usual self for all of this game, pretty much. I mean, he, he was missing shots that he usually makes. You know, I don't think he was as aggressive as he needed to be, maybe, but he just looked a step slow and, and just kind of off in this one. So, Nikola Jokic in his last two games against the Lakers, 35 minutes, 3 of 5 from the field, 12 points, 17 rebounds, 8 assists. So, he, he still you know had a nice, well-rounded offensive game, was heavily involved on that end of the floor. Uh, this game, 29 minutes, 5 of 10 from the field, a 16 points. So, you know, two games where he hasn't gotten over the 20-point threshold. Does he look tired to you? Does he just look a little off here? I mean, he's playing around the same amount of minutes as he was last year, I should say, even a little less per game. Does he look a little fatigued, or was this just too kind of maybe off-night scoring-wise from him? Yeah, I didn't see any real real signs of fatigue. I don't think anything abnormal. I mean, I just think he's had a couple of substandard nights. Um, you know, I think the... The most jarring thing in this game was that Denver starters, I mean, when they're out there, like it's just a seamless fit together offensively. They're always in that that motion, you know, equal opportunity offense. They never really got in their offense in this game. Never. The Warriors, I don't know, if, I mean, their length might have had to do with it. They were really flying around defensively, but Denver never even strung, their starters never even strung two or three possessions in a row where they were doing what they do every game. Yeah, but you know how I know that Jokic is really fatigued right now? He got rolled into Staples Center on that equipment cart by Sparky <laughs> Gonzalez, the Nuggets equipment manager. Uh, that, you could, he couldn't even walk into Staples Center for the game. I mean, this guy needs like a week off, right? Yeah, I want to see like <laughs> a, a feature on Nuggets 360 of just Jokic and Sparky like screwing around on the road. Yeah, I'm kidding, of course. I agree with you. I don't think Jokic is fatigued or anything. I think this just was two <laughs> off nights scoring for him. And like we know he is going to impact the game on the offensive end of the floor without just scoring. But yeah, against the Warriors, he just didn't look himself. He didn't look just in a rhythm at all from Jump Street. And the one thing I was watching in this game, there were a lot of things I was watching, but maybe the main thing I was focusing on was the Jokic and Boogie Cousins matchup. Because in these teams' two previous matchups this season, Cousins hasn't played. He was still getting back from... Uh, that Achilles injury. And, you know, on paper, I think Jokic 
that's a favor- favorable matchup for him. Cousins isn't overly quick, but I feel like you know Jokic has enough moves around the rim uh, where he can get around Cousins there, and he's strong enough where he can go body-to-body with Cousins in the post now. So I kind of expected Jokic to have a better night than he did. Uh, but you know, Cousins, he wasn't overly impressive either. But I thought Jokic would definitely find more of a groove than he did. Yeah, I think that's a pretty good point. And, you know, I think what the Warriors did a lot in this game was they forced Jokic to defend in space. They scored twice in the first half on the same action where it's just um, they clear out the left side except for uh, a screener and somebody in the corner. Mm -hmm. And they burned Denver twice. I I tweeted the clips to that that play. But on the flip side, I mean, the Nuggets should have made DeMarcus Cousins work in space. Yeah. Because he's like... I mean, I don't want to call him a mummy, but he's not much better than a mummy right now in space. I mean, he's a large man coming back from an Achilles tear. Denver could have taken advantage of that, and they didn't. Yeah, and that's also what I meant by I thought Jokic, you know, would be able to exploit Cousins. Just if you run that offense through him at the top of the key, you're going to make Cousins, you know, venture out more uh, towards the three-point line. It's going to open up things down below. And yeah, Denver just, like we were saying, never really got into that offensive rhythm at all. Uh, in the first quarter. But overall, a poor night from the Nuggets starters. I mean, you can just look at the box score and and tell from those stats. Jamal Murray was 4-10 in this game, only 11 points. Will Barton, 2 of 11. His worst offensive night in a while. Gary Harris was 0-2. Got all of his six points from the line. And the starters, you know, they didn't, didn't really play as much as they normally would. The bench, which we'll talk about in a minute, really got Denver back into this game. But the plus minuses were just pretty telling, I thought. At plus minus, it's I think it's a decent stat. It tells you a little bit about a game, but you can really just look at the plus minuses from the box score in this one, and it will tell you all you need to know. Nicole Jokic was a minus 29 in 29 minutes. Jamal Murray a minus 19. Will Barton was a minus 30. So that kind of speaks to the struggles that the Nuggets starters had. Yeah, and if my memory serves correctly, I think Barton and Jokic were like a minus 29 and minus 30 at halftime, respectively. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, they were break even after half. Like, all of that damage was just done in, in a pretty disastrous first half. I mean, that was one of the worst games I've, ever, I've seen Barton play in a Nuggets uniform. And he usually plays the Warriors pretty well. Mm-hmm. I mean, a really big game against them last year. It's some clutch threes. So that was that was weird to see. Michael Malona, after the game, was asked about Monte Morris and him just getting... Denver into its offense. The second unit played pretty well. Michael Bowen said, a novel concept for a point guard. I think he was pretty frustrated, too, with, with Jamal Murray and, and some of Denver's other initiators, just that they never even got set and, and do what they normally do. Yeah. They just looked spooked from the opening tip. Michael Malone has had a couple comments around that kind of theme of selfish play. And I think he even said that word after this game, right, against the Warriors. He said, our starting unit played selfish or or something to that tune. It's so weird to hear him talk about this team that way because the word selfish is the last word that we would have ever used to describe the Nuggets as for this entire season. Yet it's been thrown around here pretty regularly. Not that word selfish per se, but you know other words that describe that style of play, lack of ball movement, isolation, not getting others involved. We've heard all of those things over the past couple of weeks about this team, both the second unit and starters. It's so weird because it's the last way I would have described this team all year. I mean, how many things have we written? How many hours and podcasts have we spent talking about how selfless 
and how just this team loves to get each other involved. They love to you know, set each other up. They'll overpass at times. They're so unselfish. So uh, it, it's been a weird couple weeks on that front. Yeah, I mean, that was a little bit of a strange comment. I mean, Mike Malone knows his team way better than I do, obviously, but I don't know if I saw selfishness that much, just my view from the couch. I just thought they played bad and didn't execute. I think you could see it in the first quarter. I think an aspect of Denver not getting into their offense was some questionable shot-taking. I think that's what I kind of Michael Malone was talking about there. But yeah, it's just weird hearing those words used to describe the Nuggets right now because that's just not the team they've been all season long. And yeah, they've lost four or five. And, you know, I think they'll emerge from it, but certainly some uncharacteristic games and definitely, obviously, uh, this loss, an uncharacteristic night from the starting lineup. Before we move on here, we got a lot more to get to on today's show. I want to touch on the bench and how good they were in the second quarter, really getting Denver back into this game. A quick word from Get Around. If you guys are ever in need of a car, truck, or vehicle for a few hours or a few days, Get Around is at your service. Get Around is a car sharing app. You can literally unlock cars near you through their app. And better yet, if you have a car that's just sitting around, hey, make some extra money for your next vacation. Get Around's insurance policy and 24-7 customer service have you covered. So go to get.co backslash nuggets to save $15 off your first rental. Or you guys can visit get.co backslash bsn to sign up for free to rent your car out and start making some money fast. Welcome back to the BSN Nuggets podcast presented by Total Beverage. Harrison Wynn and Christian Clark here, Monday edition of the show. Let's talk about the one bright spot from this loss, I'd say. Maybe a little silver lining, if you will, uh, in this loss to Golden State. The bench, it looked pretty good, which hasn't been the case for a lot of these recent games. What was your overall takeaway from how this second unit played against the Warriors and really battled back at the end of the first, and then obviously in the second quarter? Um, well, number one, Malik Beasley can shoot the hell out of the basketball. Uh, Breaking news. That we've seen a lot this year. He uh, made five threes overall in this game, four in the first half. He's got a picturesque jumper. And number two, good things happen when the basketball is in Monte Morris's hands. Um, he made a, a lot of plays, especially in the first half as Denver erased that big deficit before the starters gave it away before halftime again. Monte had six assists in this game. So... I mean, I just think that the offense is generally going to work pretty well if the offense is flowing through Monte. And also with this second unit, they just played with a totally different pace, I thought, than the starters did. And I don't mean pace in terms of getting out on the break and just playing fast break basketball, but in the half court too. Uh, they just moved with the purpose. They ran their actions with a purpose. Like you said, they ran some resemblance of a half court offense with a purpose gotten to their cuts quickly. And so it was just, you know, better basketball all around. That second unit was really in a rhythm. And it's funny because you look at this Warriors bench and on paper, this bench isn't overly impressive. And we were talking before the game started, a reason we thought the bench might have a decent night was because the Warriors bench isn't that great. You got guys like Jonas Derebko on that bench, Jordan Bell, Alfonso McKinney, second round picks, Jonas Derebko, uh, end of the bench guy for most of his career, maybe an eighth man at, at best, Kevon Looney, you know, Quinn Cook, guys that aren't really going to scare you off their bench. But the thing about how the Nuggets got back into this game with their second unit in the second quarter was they did it against a lineup that featured Draymond Green, DeMarcus Cousins, Clay Thompson, 
Andre Iguodala, and Sean Livingston. So they did it against really good competition. And going back to the Cousins discussion we just had, it felt like they did do a good job of making Cousins defend in space and getting up and down, trying to tire him out a little bit. But I thought maybe one of the more underrated parts about the bench's night was the fact that they did it against you know some of Golden State's top guns. Yeah, that's an interesting point. Um, so Isaiah Thomas was obviously out there and in the rotation once again. Um, you know, we've talked a lot about just kind of his struggles fitting into this unit. Um, I'm curious to see what you what you saw from it in this game um, because I think he did have a a couple head scratchers like the play where he decided to to pull up from top of the key with 20 seconds on the shot clock had to pass turned it over didn't really try to to get it back that was like huh what are you doing there but I thought for the most part he fit in to, to what Denver was trying to do and instead of just you know high pick and roll after high pick and roll there wasn't as much of that I thought. I thought this was definitely Isaiah Thomas's best game in his last five games, going back to that OKC game. I think it's been his best game since then. And it's not because he scored a lot of points. He only scored five points, two of six from the field. It's because it's kind of like you said, he fit into the offense. And I wrote today that I think how you know if Isaiah Thomas is meshing well with the second unit it's if you don't really notice him out there. If you're not going, oh man, there's Isaiah Thomas shooting a pull-up three. There's Isaiah Thomas in the pick and roll. If you don't notice him out there, I think that means that he's fitting into you know, the Nuggets offense. And I felt like more than he had in Denver's last five or six games, he definitely fit in to what the second unit was doing against Golden State. I felt like he was unselfish. He had three assists, which was the most he's had since that Clippers game. So I think that was notable. He found Monte Morris in the corner uh, once for a nice kind of cross-court pass. I think overall this was a solid game from him, one of his better ones over the last couple weeks, and he just fit in more to what the bench was doing, more so than he had in these last few games. Yeah, and I think it's important for IT to blend in because he doesn't have that burner speed. Physically, he's just not that close to the guy he was two years ago when he put up 29 a game, finished fifth in MVP voting, when he was just crushing people out of the pick and roll. I mean, it, there are a couple times where he's trying to go downhill against Boogie out of the pick and roll, and it's like he doesn't definitively beat him. IT, I mean, he just doesn't look that quick right now, which is to be expected from a guy who just missed 11 months and, and dealt with a very serious hip injury. That's not abnormal, but, you know, if you're going to be, you know, I don't know, 60% of what you were a couple years ago, uh, you don't have that, that burst, then it's especially important for you to you know, just, just be a part of the team and, and not try to stand out on his units. Yeah, that's what he's got to do. He's got to play within the ebbs and flows of this Nuggets offense, and he's got to resist the urge to try to be the ISO guy that he was at the peak of his powers because he's still obviously got some rust to shake off. My question for you is, how sustainable do you think this performance was? Do you think this lineup of Isaiah Thomas, Monte Morris, Torrey Craig, Malik Beasley, and Mason Plumley? has some potential to garner some of the same results going forward into this homestand? Or do you think this was just a lucky performance and you know this bench lineup still needs a lot of work? Where are you at with that? Um, I, I tend to think that the, these bench units are, are probably going to struggle as long as you're trotting IT and Monte out there together. Um, I, I just don't know with, with IT, with how limited he is physically, with just all the rust that he has to knock off right now, 
I'm just skeptical how effective he can be. I'm skeptical as well, but what I will say is a good performance like this, even though it came in a loss, a good performance from the bench unit, I think, can carry over. And the fact that these guys got out on the floor and they mounted that comeback against the Warriors, against Klay Thompson, against Draymond Green, Iguodala, Livingston, Cousins, the fact that those guys were out there and they showed they could play with those guys, I think that has some carryover effect. You know, I don't know if it's going to last a month, but I definitely think it could last into this week. Just the fact that they actually played some winning basketball. They weren't all in the negatives like most of them had been for these last few games. The fact that they played some Denver Nuggets basketball and had some good chemistry and Monte Morris got the ball back in his hands and, you know, that produced a lot of good plays and good offense and good looks. I think that can have a carryover effect at least to this Minnesota game on Tuesday. Um, yeah, uh, that's that's what you hope to see, obviously. Um, you know, I, I tend to think with the, the starters that this was just a blip on the radar, falling back down to earth a little bit. And this was probably like the baseline for, or not the baseline, but like the bottom line. I think that that was about as bad as the starters could have played. I don't think they're I capable. Hope so. of, yeah. I hope they can't get worse than that. Oh, man. So... Yeah, it was encouraging to see from the bench unit, but um, I guess let's see if they can do it again against many. Monte Morris in his five games before this Warriors game, uh, so going back to games that include that Lakers win, uh, the losses to the Spurs, the Pelicans, and the Jazz, and then that Oklahoma City win. Over those five games, Monte Morris averaged 29.2 touches per game. In this last game, his touches were back up to 68. So that's not only double how many times he touched the ball in those five games. That's well above his season average, which is around like 58 touches per game. So no surprise there. The ball got back into Monte Morris's hands more. Denver's bench offense got better looks. And I think that's another reason why I'm at least a little bit encouraged by the success they had. The coaches can take those numbers. They can show them to the team. They can look at the film and say, hey, when we get the ball to Monte Morris, our bench unit can do some damage. And look, I know Isaiah Thomas has been a lead ball handler throughout his entire career. I know that's usually him getting most of the touches at the point guard spot, but I have to believe that you know he's seen a lot in this league and he's nine games in now. I have to believe that he's willing to at least take a little bit of a step back when he sees that, okay, we can play winning basketball when the ball is in Monte Morris's hands a lot. I, I just don't know. You if, don't seem hopeful. I just don't know if a guy who's you know had so much success doing it his way for this long can, can all of a sudden change this late in his career. I think I'd agree with your point if he was 100% healthy. I think there's going to come a time when Isaiah Thomas realizes, hey, I can't do what I used to do. Maybe that time has come. Before we wrap up here, I want to look ahead to this next homestand here. Denver has an important one coming up. Three games at home here at Pepsi Center this week. First, though, a word from Strava Craft Coffee. Strava Craft Coffee is a game-changing coffee. It's the CBD-enriched coffee that has really changed lives. The reviews for Strava Craft are incredible. You guys got to check them out. This CBD-infused coffee has taken away long-term migraines, back pain, arthritis, IBS. It has helped to decrease anxiety. You name it. CBD is all natural and not psychoactive. The coffee is rich and tasty. We could not recommend it anymore to our listeners. Check it out for yourself today and receive 20% off when you use the promo code BSN2019 at checkout. 
That's BSN 2019 at checkout. And you can get your shipment of Strava Craft Coffee sent right to your door. Welcome back to the BSN Nuggets podcast presented by Total Beverage. Monday edition of the show, Harrison Wynn and Christian Clark here. Last thing we want to do on today's program, let's look ahead to this homestand this coming week. The Timberwolves come to town on Tuesday. The Mavericks come to town Thursday. I know you'll be wearing your Luka Doncic jersey. The Pacers come to town on Saturday. How crucial of a homestand is this in your mind? I think it's a huge homestand. Um, I mean, Denver's playing about as poorly as they have all season. They've dropped four of their last five. You know, like you said, the the Michael Mullins comments about just the selfishness is just a really weird thing to hear about this team. I mean, even when they've the few times they've struggled earlier this season, I mean, it, it it doesn't come up where you know he's kind of questioning what this team's identity is. So. Yeah, I want to. I just want to see Denver get back to playing Denver Nuggets basketball in this homestand and start having fun again. Right, it feels like they haven't had fun in a while. Right, they're seeping into the pit of despair that all NBA stars are in right now. Denver Nuggets are in that pit. No, I agree. I I agree. This is a critical homestand. Timberwolves, Mavericks, Pacers. You've got to get a minimum of two of these games. And look, these three teams are going to make you work for sure. Minnesota's playing okay basketball right now. I don't know if Carl Towns is going to play in this game. He had that knee injury over the weekend. He did not play in their game on Sunday. I'd say he's probably going to be questionable for this game on Tuesday. Maybe they hold him out. It is a nationally televised game, so maybe that means they play him. Dallas on national TV as well. It seems like Nuggets and Mavericks games are always close. They're always competitive. And then the Pacers, you know, the Pacers are a type of team who's not flashy. They don't really bring a lot of star power to the table, but they're just going to play their brand of basketball. They're kind of like the thrift store version of the Nuggets, I feel like. They're just going to run their stuff. They're going to play hard. They're well coached. And, you know, if they just stick to their identity, they're probably going to wind up in a close game. Yeah, I would, I would bet that Nate McMillan and, and Michael Mullen are going to finish 1-2 in some order in, in Coach of the Year. If, yeah. if the Nuggets you know, c- can snap out of this funk a little bit. You think they're going to finish ahead of Mike Budenholzer? Oh, I feel I like know. Budenholzer is the favorite in the clubhouse right now. Uh, you might be right. and you know, I, I guess with Budenholzer, my thing is I think he's a, an excellent coach, but I think like what they did around Giannis was, was pretty obvious. Like, just <laughs> yeah. give this guy who like just lives inside and, and can dunk on anyone four shooters around him. Well, also the thing with Boonhoser is he was coming in after probably the worst coach in the league in Jason Kidd. So there was a uh, a large gap for him to to improve the team by there. I would have loved to see what the Bucks would have done last year under like a league average coach. I mean, I think in the minds of most voters, they're, they're not going to... No. Like, that's not going to matter to them that no, much. No, so you look you, at the standings right. and you see... Milwaukee at the top of the East, you see Giannis as probably the MVP of this year. I think Bud gets it. But, I mean, I think Mike Malone is the coach of the year, hands down. Yeah, so they'll they'll both be in the top three. But I agree. You're right about Budenholzer. So which one of these games do you think is the toughest? The Pacer game? Oh, yeah. I I mean, the Pacers Pacers are the best team in this homestand that's coming to town. They've withstood the Victor Oladipo injury there. You know, playing really good basketball. They did lose to Philly here on Sunday night, but they were in that game for uh, most of it until the fourth quarter. I'm not that worried about Dallas because they don't really want to win games right now. Like mm-hmm. that was pretty apparent the, the last time around. I mean, Don just didn't play in that game, but they're they want to try to hold on to their pick probably. Um, I mean, Minnesota. 
I'm sure like a lot of people, they, they've just kind of tuned them out since that Jimmy Butler trade, but Carl Anthony Towns has been freaking balling and, you know, he had, he had to leave the game the other night, but it sounds like it was nothing serious. He got an MRI. Towns is a freaking monster. So I, I don't think that one is a, a gimme, right? By any means, like the Nuggets aren't going to be able to sleepwalk their way to a win. Yeah. No surprise. Once Jimmy Butler vacates the Minnesota locker room, uh, the Timberwolves star player who Butler didn't seem to be a huge fan of suddenly recaptures his uh, rhythm from last season. <laughs> what a novel concept there. All right. I want to remind you guys, if you have questions for the show, 1-800-BSN-8394. It's the Total Beverage Fan Hotline. 1-800-BSN-8394. If you guys have questions about the Nuggets, questions about the NBA that you want answered on the BSN Nuggets podcast, on the show, uh, let us know. And with that, we'll talk to you guys on Tuesday. The biggest benefits of CBD are our cognitive, our neuroprotection, neuroregeneration, anti-inflammatory, and then a lot of the most common situations that, that people are taking it are for pain. That is Arthur Jaffe, a former CU Buffs football player and founder of Elixinol, a Colorado-based company focused on providing the highest quality of CBD oil and hemp extracts in the world. Like Arthur mentioned earlier, CBD has significant medical benefits and isn't limited to just athletes. Everyone can take it, from adults and children to even your dog. I wished I would have learned about it or that it would have been more prominent at a younger age to potentially have, have given my father a, a significant opportunity to fight prostate cancer, which ultimately took his life when I was 13. You know, I really think that it would have helped him. Arthur and the folks over at Elixinol's mission is to educate, inspire, and empower others to live naturally healthy, happy lives. To learn more and join the CBD conversation, check out elixinol.com.